I have an expert opinion now. In case y'all weren't weren't aware, my opinion, it's expert. Thank you, Heather. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1165, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are. End of another month, which means it's, it's almost time. I mean, it is time, but we got to get through a few housekeeping things first. For a little bit of you ask, I answer listener Q&A style for June here in 2023. Before we dive into your questions, and we've got a bunch of them, uh, today's episode is sponsored by the folks over at AminoCo. Uh, just high quality amino acid supplementation. Amino acids, kind of one of those important things for our bodies. Um, and yeah, you know, you can get a lot of amino acids from your diet, depending on what you're eating and what your dietary preferences are. Like there's, there's no shortage of sources to get amino acids into the system. That said, you know, sometimes we could use a little more, especially training through the heat in the craziness of summer. That's a, that's a little extra stress and strain on the body. No question about that. And, uh, whether, whether you need a little pick me up to, to brave the, uh, the heat and or humidity outside, um, or you need a little something, something to help with the recovery process after a good run in the summer months. Amino acid, or, I'm sorry, Amino Co has you covered with amino acid supplementation. Whether we're talking about the Form Blend, which is that little pick me up hitter pre workout type of drink, um, or the the Recovery Blend, which you know you know how I how I take my my Recovery Blend, uh, hit it in the coffee because I can't I can't finish a run and not have some coffee. Let's not kid ourselves. But a little bit of the vanilla, a little bit of the chocolate, depending on which flavor I'm in for the day, hit it with a little frother. Mm, that's good stuff right there. Uh, so if you want to get on board the amino acid train from AminoCo, uh, AminoCo.com slash DizRuns is the link. I know some of y'all have been have been hitting me up for uh, you know talking to me about it, asking me questions. Uh, but make sure you use the link. That way they know that it's coming from, from here. Um, I mean, you can get there through the website, of course, but like through the main website. But if you go AminoCo.com slash DizRuns, we get a little credit. Uh, which is which is helpful. Obviously, keeps that sponsorship money going, uh, and certainly make sure you use the code Dizruns at checkout. That'll save you thirty percent on whatever you order, um, and thirty percent's not nothing. Last I checked. So, uh, aminoco.com/dizruns is the link. Dizruns at checkout. Save yourself thirty percent. Thanks once again to Aminoco for supporting the podcast, and thanks y'all for supporting supporting yourself with amino acid supplementation and supporting the show simultaneous. Um, so today's, today's Q and a episode, as always, the cues come from you and the best way to get your questions in is through the Facebook groups. If you're not in the Facebook group yet, uh, Facebook I'm sorry, disruns.com slash Facebook will get you there. Uh, or just search, you know, uh, next time you're scrolling through Facebook mindlessly, you know, in, in place of all the ads and the stories and the reels and the nonsense search for the disruns tribe, come and join us. And then you'll have some of our nonsense that's in your feed as well. And, and we, we do nonsense running nonsense. I think we do it pretty well. I think we do it pretty well. So come join the party there. Um, and of course, if you don't do Facebook, you can be like Gary Joe and send your questions via DMs on whatever other social medias that you use. Um, and today, as I, I know, I know, I know you've got questions. I've got answers. We'll get there. But today is a little bit of a special day because today is the the last day 
of the eighth year of the podcast. Tomorrow, 1 July 2023, the podcast turns nine years old. So uh, it, it feels like it's been... Feels like it's been a lot longer than nine years that we've been doing the show. Yet, in some sometimes it feels like it's it's only just started and we're just barely scratching the surface. Uh, but one way or the other, thanks for for being along for the ride. You know, some of you have, have been here just about since day one. Some of you maybe have just picked up the podcast in the last couple of weeks. Uh, maybe today is your first episode. One way or the other, thanks for uh, making the first nine years uh, what they've been, helping this to become a thing. Whatever whatever it is, the the empire is growing. And uh, here's to at least another year, maybe another nine. We'll see. Um, but thanks. Thanks for being along for the ride. I appreciate y'all. So let's get into the questions. Um, this this month's first question comes from Michaela. Uh, asks, when you have several possible races and they all look fun and you're not sure which one to do, how do you choose? Uh, just for, for basic details, three different distances, so three different, you know, completely different races, uh, all our travel and really can only do one in terms of budget and logistics. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that there's that there's a good answer. Um, I, I think that it's one of those where maybe you, you there, there's a couple different ways to, to try to crack the nut, Michaela. And, and I think that um, you can look at it from, you know, if, if there's, a, I mean, if they, if they all look fun, but they're different, you know, like, is there one that you really want to do more than the others? You know, maybe it's, it's a cool location. Maybe it's a cool time of year. Maybe it's, it's, you know, whatever it is, like look at the details or the specifics of each race um, and beyond just the race, but like the location, you know, which one is, is seems like the best or the most exciting, um, even though they all look fun. I mean, you know, three things can look fun, but one, you know, that, that doesn't mean that they all look equally fun, right? So is there one, and, and maybe again, maybe it's not the race, maybe it's the location, maybe it's the time of year, maybe it's, it's whatever else that could add to the experience that, that puts it just a little bit above the others. Um, and, and, and if you can, if you can parse that out, I think that's the one to do just because, you know, without trying to take a, take a turn to the morbid already, like, like, you know, in theory, you could do one each year for the next three years, right? In theory, maybe, maybe that doesn't work out, but in theory, that could be the answer. Uh, but you might as well go with the, the, the one that looks the most fun first, because who knows how the situation might change next year, whether it's, you know, financial stuff, whatever, like, like there's no guarantee there's no guarantee that the races will all be around next year. I mean, odds are they probably will. Hopefully they will. Um, but whatever one, you know, kind of seems to rise just marginally above the others for you, I feel like that's the one to do. Um, now, there could be extenuating circumstances in terms of like, you know, one is sold out already. So so that, you know, helps to make the decision for you. Um, but all things equal, if you can only do one of these three races... I mean, I think you, you kind of look for the, the external. Maybe there's a situation where next year the opportunity won't be there. You know, maybe, maybe um, you know, in terms of being able to, to go with somebody else and it's like, like we can both do this race this year or neither of us can do it together next year. Well, then let's do it this year. But again, that's, that's kind of looking beyond the actual race itself to just kind of look at the whole, the bigger picture, if you will, in terms of what would make each race kind of sell itself and let, let the races sell themselves. Or again, the, the full experiences sell themselves and whichever one looks better. That's the one you do. And then, you know, if, if the stars align and you can do, um, you know, your second place choice the following year and the third place choice the following year, then you've, you've, you know, scratched all three inches or maybe, you know, the second place choice two years from now, three years from now, if the races are still around, whatever. But I think whatever one, even however marginally looks better than the other two or looks to be the best. I mean, I feel like that's the one to do. Um, 
and then you know see how it shakes out in future years to potentially do the the other races but it sounds like you can't lose it sounds like they would all be good options um so you know worst case scenario you you flip some coins you know you 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 pick a number between you know whatever and and if it's if it's this it's this and if it's that it's that um and and make the choice that way if 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 push comes to shove because it sounds like there's not a bad option in the bunch um but one way or the other pick a race and uh have a good one have a good one next question also from Michaela but also actually from her son Otto how can I get very fast while still being able to breathe? My man, um, you're not going to like my answer. And there's a few folks that are listening that have been listening for a while. Maybe your mom, you know, maybe you should listen to, maybe your mom's telling you the right answer here or telling you at least my answer. Cause I know she's been listening long enough that she knows, she knows probably what I'm going to say. Um, but I also know that sometimes coming not from your mom is probably the, the, the preferred option. I get it. You know, it, and it's not necessarily something you grow up, grow out of, you know, sometimes people tell me things that my mom's been telling me. And, you know, even now I'm 41, 41. And, uh, it's, it's hard to sometimes follow mom's direction. So I get it, Otto. I get it. But the, the best way to run fast while still being able to breathe is to not run fast all the time. Uh, actually run, run at a comfortable pace most of the time. Um, and, and what that does for you, bud, is it helps to, to build your, basically, you know, your, 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 body's ability to, to exercise and, and breathe simultaneously. And then, and then when it's time to go fast, when there's a race or when you're, when you're sprinting with your mom and racing her, you know, back home from, from whatever, um, and you decide to push a little bit, you'll have a, you'll have a, it won't be easy, but you'll have an easier time still breathing while you're sprinting at your top speed by running relatively comfortably most of the time. And I know that that doesn't necessarily make sense, um, even for some of us adults that have been running for, for years, it's, it's hard to, to wrap our heads around how, how do we get faster and, and run at a faster pace while still being able to breathe if we don't practice it very often, but it, it really does work out. It's kind of like magic. Sometimes it's, a, it's one of those mysteries, things that I guess we'll never know. Um, but it really does work. So just focus on running easy. Most of the time, running at a comfortable pace. Um, and then when it's, when it's go time. You'll be able to run faster, still maybe struggling to breathe a little bit, but your faster will be faster and you'll be able to run that faster pace for a longer amount of time or a longer amount of distance, which is, you know, typically if we're, if we're worried about, you know, for focused on race performance and things like that, that's kind of the, the secret sauce. So stick with the easy running, my friend. That's, that is, that's what I believe at least that's, that's how I try to encourage folks to do whether you're your age, your mom's age, or, or anybody's age. That's, that's what we're going for. So keep it up. And thanks for the question, bud. Appreciate you. Uh, next question from Thessaly. Why is it so difficult to recreate a quote unquote great run? I get that you can't have an epic run every day, but do you have suggestions for increasing your quote unquote average run experience? Um, I mean, without, without getting too waxing too poetic here at Thessaly, I mean, I think it just comes down to we're human. Right, like, like there's so much going on in our bodies from day to day. Um, there's so much that goes on in our environment, whether it's the actual environment outside, whether it's air quality issues, whether it's heat, humidity, cold, wind, rain, ice, snow, whatever. Whether it's the boredom of being on the, the treadmill, which I still can't figure out how you don't, but whatever. That's another topic for another day. Um, but there's so many of those things going on that impact our quote unquote great runs. And then there's also, you know, how much did you sleep? How much did you drink? Did you, you know, are you hydrated? Are you dehydrated? Are you overfueled, underfueled? 
um, you know, are you fatigued from yesterday's workout? Like, like there's so many other things that, that go on within our bodies that, that impact it, that it's like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, where all of the, the, the factors, all the variables, those that we can control somewhat, those that we have zero control over, um, all have to kind of line up to really have those great runs. And it's just, you know, whether, whether you want to talk lottery odds, whether you want to talk, you know, roulette reels, whether you want to talk, you know, picking a number between one and 20 and getting it right seven times in a row, eight times in a row. Like it's just, it's just tall odds. So, you know, hopefully what we can do is more often than not control the variables that we can control so that at least from that side of things, you know, we can, we can put ourselves in the best position as possible to have a great run as often as possible, which also then gets to the second part of your question of making sure that, or at least again, giving ourselves the best chance of having decently average runs more often than not, or maybe having our average run, you know, pick that up just a little bit. And that, you know, and again, it comes down to, to taking care of your, taking care of our bodies, right? Get enough sleep, um, doing some of the recovery work, foam rolling, stretching, uh, running easy most of the time instead of that that gray area where um, it's not really hard enough to to get the real benefits of going of a of a good hard workout, but it's more taxing, more demanding, um, so that we don't recover from it as quickly. So then the next run is a little bit more of a slog and a rinse and repeat and so on and so forth. Um, you know, taking care of hydration, taking care of of just all of those types of things, strength training, so that we're getting stronger. But also then that can you know lead to a, a fatigued run the next. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables, of course, but it's like, how can you control the little things? How can you can control, um, maybe you, sometimes your expectations, you know, like, Hey, it's, it's just, it's just random Tuesday. So like, let's go out and just kind of cruise, um, instead of trying to hit massive marks every day, um, listening to your body and on a day that maybe you're not, you're not feeling it, like take an extra rest day. Um, so that, you know, you don't have a, a, a really rough run that maybe brings the average down. You know, so it's like, there's lots of different ways that you can go at it. Um, but, but there's only so much control that you have, you know, even within the things that you can theoretically control, there's still how our bodies function and respond. And, um, you know, just, just the, the daily and weekly and monthly ebbs and flows that we all have, um, that can make, you know, you can do all the right things and it can still be kind of meh at best, you know? So it's, 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 it's human. We're, we're, it's the human condition in a variable world makes it hard to get everything to line up, to have great runs all the time, which is why, you know, when you have one, hopefully they, they happen at a time where you can just really embrace it and you don't have to stop your run at four miles, but you can just keep going for 14 miles and just embrace that. It's a, it's a great day and I feel good. And like, let's go, let's take advantage of it. Cause it doesn't happen very often. Uh, next question also from Thessaly in your opinion, what is the best firework? My favorite is the super sparkly kind. Happy Independence Day. Well, happy Independence Day to you, m'lady. Um, but now now I'm going to get all old man cray on you here. Uh, the best firework is the dud, is the one that doesn't go off. Ideally is the one that isn't even sold, that, that never sees the light of day. I am not a fireworks guy. Um, and I am definitely not uh, Billy Joe whatever, you know, with, with Bubba, Bubba, Bubba Ray and his, and his, you know, three fingers shooting off fireworks in the, in the street on 4th of July. Um, not like good fireworks are good fireworks, you know, whether it's, it's a Disney thing or a big city thing or whatever, where they have like, like they're, they're fine. I don't really care for them. I, I would not be the least bit upset if I never saw another firework again in my life. Um, 
but you know, a good fireworks show. Sure, the super sparkly ones are cool. I mean, I guess those those are always you know, whether it's shimmery, sparkly, whatever. The ones that kind of the, the the double whammy ones, those are kind of cool. But like, I mean, I don't know, whatever. They're fireworks. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Um, but you know, to any of the schmucks that are shooting off fireworks in in my neighborhood, I'm judging you. I am judging you big time, and uh, not in a good way. But anyway. If you, if you do backyard fireworks that, you know, you do you, whatever it's, you know, I, I just don't like fireworks is really what it comes down to. Do not like fireworks. So the best kind of firework is the ones that never get shot off. In my opinion, sorry to rain on your parade. Hope, hope that you're able to enjoy some fireworks this 4th of July. Um, and thanks for the questions as always next from North of the border coming in from, uh, Nova Scotia, I believe, right? Nova Scotia. Brian Walker with a couple of questions. First one, will splitting my run in half to run to and from the gym have any effect on my training? I mean, yes, but no. Like, like, sure, you know, you're getting whatever 5K there, 5K back with, with strength in the middle. Um, so it's not like you're getting 10K all at once or whatever the numbers are, obviously. Um, but no. I mean, you're still getting 10K for the day in that example. You're still getting your strength training in. Um, I'm going to have a hard time finding a fault or a critique or a, you should have done it all at once and then done your strength training. Like, no. If that's what makes sense for this schedule, if that's kind of a two birds, one stone scenario, um, yeah. Like, whatever marginal effect it is, it's going to be so marginal that we're not even going to waste our time worrying about it. Like, if you're if you're Kipchoge and you're trying to go, you know, 158, I don't even think then that it would make a difference, but maybe. Um, but if you're you, me, and everybody listening to this, you're you're getting your run in, you're getting your strength training in. That's two two ticks in the in the job well done box. Um, and I don't care if that means that you're you're getting half your run done first and your strength training, then half your run. Like it's still two two ticks, job done. We'll take it. We'll take it for sure. Second question is: One round of circuit training enough for a strength training session? Well. Brian, I've, I've tried to hold out as long as I could, but, uh, everybody get your drinks, get your drinks together, uh, because it's time for the first of many, it depends is for the day. Um, is one round of circuit training enough for a strength training session? I mean, de- it depends on what one round of circuit training is, right? Like, like you could, you could, you could make an argument that one circuit would be, you know, 10 push ups and three pull-ups and four body weight squats. And like, I mean, that's better than nothing, but is that like a good quality full body workout? I mean, maybe, maybe for some, maybe, you know, you're, you're relatively new to strength training. You haven't done a whole lot. Um, and that's, that's enough to really, maybe, you know, it's five push ups and, you know, 30 second arm hang and, um, you know, three body weight squats. And you're like, Oh, I'm gassed. I'm going to be feeling this tomorrow. Well, in that case, sure. That's plenty. Um, cause we don't want to, we don't want to break you with all the strength training. Um, for me, if that was my circuit, I mean, I, I could conceive of a situation where I would do the mental gymnastics to be like, yeah, I got my strength training done for the day. Tick the box. Is that moving me forward? No, no, that's not moving me forward. Um, but conversely, if I, if I created a circuit where I was doing, you know, a certain number of squats and then some plie squats and then some lunges and some push ups and some chest flies and some, 
you know, bent over rows and some, some pull-ups and like, like I, I got a 10 or 12 exercise circuit that was hitting, that, that was, that was ticking all the boxes for me. And, and by the end of it, I was feeling like, oh man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be feeling this tomorrow. Then yeah, like, yeah, job done. That's good enough. So it, it depends on what the circuit looks like. It depends on what your fitness level is. And it depends on how you're feeling when you get to the end of the workout. Did, did you get a good workout in? Then you got a good workout in, whether it's one circuit or whether it's a three exercise circuit that you do 15 times, because that's what it takes to get to that. Like, like, you know, where, where are we at at the end and, and, and how are we feeling the next day or two? If you feel like you got a good workout in, you're feeling a little bit sore for a couple of days as a result of it, then, then one round is plenty. If you get to the end and you're like, I don't have, I don't feel like I've done anything. Then one round, probably not enough. Um, so yeah. Chug a log, y'all. It depends. It depends. But uh, but in a good way, I guess it depends in a good way because it gives you flexibility. There's there's not a, there's not a cut and dry in terms of you, it, your circuit needs to have eight exercises and you need to do it three times. Like that? No. You can do a short circuit that you do ten times. Um, you can do one big circuit that you go through once. Anything in between. Um, it's just, you know, what is it? Is it meeting the objectives for the day in terms of maybe it's just a specific body group. Maybe it's a whole body, you know, and there's, there's another variable. Are you doing a whole body circuit that you're doing once a week or twice a week? Or are you doing a lower body focus circuit today and an upper body focus circuit tomorrow? So on and so forth. In which case you might get away with a, a shorter circuit because you're only working lower body and you might get away with a shorter circuit because you're only working upper body. Um, so there's so many variables. Sometimes one round, perfect. Sometimes you might be, might be better off to step it up a little bit. It just, it just depends. So there you go. Thanks for the questions, my friend. Next, Natasha up from, uh, just, just, you know, just not too far away. I think, right. You're, you're in the, the, the North Carolina area. We're in the North Georgia area. You know, one of these days, maybe things will line up for us and we can, we can get a couple miles together. But anyway, Natasha's question, can trail running be considered cross training if you are normally a road runner? The trails feel so different than the roads, and I feel like I use different muscles and walk more often. Serious question, not just trying to find a loophole. No, I, I get you. I get your question, Natasha, and and I don't know that I would count it as cross training, but that might be more semantic than anything else. And 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 you you're, I don't think you're you're. I don't want to say I don't think you're wrong because I don't think you're wrong, but I don't think it's a right or wrong type. Of, like I get what you're what you're asking, and I agree that. Trail running is totally different than road running. And it is, it, I mean, it's running. And so, so, so because of that, I would struggle to call it cross training, but it's probably as close to cross. Like it's, it's, it, it blurs the line. I mean, I think, I think you could almost call it cross training, um, because it is so different and it, and you're, you're, you're walking a lot more. It's, 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 especially if you, if you're, you know, in kind of more mountainy areas where maybe your roads can be a little bit more flat through town, but then you get on the trails and it's up and it's down and it's, it's technical and you're, you're picking your steps. And like it, it is, I still count when I go to the trails, I still count it as just regular running. I don't count it as a cross training type of activity, but does it, does it hit differently than the same distance on even on a hilly road, but certainly on a, on more of a flat road, yeah, it definitely hits differently. So I I totally get your question. I think you could potentially consider it as cross training, um, 
but I want I want to get credit for the miles. Like I want to get credit for the running miles, so I counted as running. Um, but it's it's you're definitely hitting things differently. You're definitely working your body differently. Um, and so so yeah, it, I I totally see it as a serious question, and and I don't I don't know that I would count it as I do know that I would not count it as cross training. I don't know that I would fault you if you wanted to count it as somewhat of a cross training activity. I say still count it as running, but it's definitely different. And so it's, 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 you're going to be more, um, potentially well, it's, it's more of a well-rounded potentially workout than, than an equally distant, equally intense, uh, type of run on a more of a flat road because you are picking your steps and you're climbing and you're descending and you're, you're at least the trails I run, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit over this this little creek and this little stream and this mud patch and this this tree that fell across the trail and I got to step over like it's it's definitely different definitely different um but I do think it 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 helps which I keep going back and forth I'm not going to count it as cross training I'm not going to fault you if you do I think I'd count it as still running though but semantics semantics great question and, and a good complimentary piece of the training puzzle to get some time on the trails, even if you're predominantly focused on road races and, and finish times and things like that. I think there's still a lot of benefit. Just getting in nature is nice sometimes too. Um, so keep enjoying the trails. You can certainly do both. And you're right. Very much different from one to the other, for sure. Uh, next question from Jackie. My Garmin almost always says anaerobic shortage. Should I be concerned? If so, what do I need to do? Uh, and I wouldn't have said it, but Melody replied to the question and said that I better not say switch to Koros. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, if you got a Garmin, like that's, that's step one is switch to Koros because Garmin, eh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed my Garmin's when I had them. I'm very happy that I made the switch to Koros for, for whatever that's may or may not be worth. But I would say this, your Garmin or, or your Koros or your Sunto or whatever watch you have, um, they, they kind of tend to work on the same, um, algorithms or the same metrics in terms of like, trying to tell you basically like, so, all right, so back up your watch is saying anaerobic shortage. Should you be concerned? No, because most of your training is not anaerobic training. Anaerobic training is high intensity sprints, uh, going hard, hammering. Like that's where you're training your aerobic, your anaerobic system. It's, you know, it's, it's the high intensity stuff. And if you, if you're listening to me and if you're, if you're drinking my Kool-Aid or drinking some, some sort of Kool-Aid that, that would be for sale at the Diz run shop, uh, of course, that means you're doing most of your, your training miles are, are easy running, right? Like that's, that's what I'm all about. Um, I would, I would imagine that if you look at it on race day or anytime that you're doing something that's a little bit or a lot of bit more intense, um, you're going to have more of an anaerobic impact to your, to your fitness, or like that's what the workout's going to tell you. It may still say that your anaerobic fitness is, is lacking or is, is, is you have a shortage because you're not training that system every day. Hopefully, hopefully most of your runs and your cross training and things like that are done at a little bit, you know, more aerobically, uh, aerobic level, easy pace type of situation. And so your aerobic fitness hopefully is, is gaining solid. Hopefully your, your garment isn't telling you you have an aerobic issue, uh, because that's what we're trying to train most of the time, or at least that's what, what I hope we're trying to train most of the time. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be concerned on race day on a hard workout day that, that you'll, you'll work the anaerobic system a little bit more. 90% of my runs are hard. Whenever, whenever my runs are easy, um, 
and I look at my, my data on my Coros, it's like anaerobic benefit zero. And it's like, yeah, exact. That's what we were going for. We weren't trying to train anaerobically today. We were trying to train aerobic and we did job done. So I think that, I think that what that's saying in a roundabout way is that what you're doing is perfect. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Jackie. Stay, stay cool down there in uh, central Florida. Easier said than done. I know. Next question from uh, the land of 10,000 lakes where heat is not as often a factor, but this time of year gets a little toasty in Minnesota. Uh, Rick Lynn chiming in, in regard to running, do you evaluate whether or not a particular year was successful? If not, why? If you do, how much weight do you give race results when trying to determine if the year was, is a success? So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know that I like slave over data. Uh, I don't know that I, I spend a lot of time being like, this was a good year. This wasn't, um, last year, 2022 from a running perspective, not my, not my finest year. Uh, yeah, I had my little foot wheel issue, whatever was going on, um, that, that wasn't, you know, I mean, I had my, my shortest as far as annual mileage for, you know, in the last four or five years, uh, I had, had an injury. Um, so that wasn't great. I did have a, a, you know, half marathon PR and I ran a good half in here in, in Georgia slash South Carolina towards the end of the year. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a disaster year. It wasn't like a failure year, but it wasn't like a great year. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, I do, yeah, I, I'll, you know, kind of have my, my goals for the year. How did we do? You know, did I stay healthy? Did, was I consistent? Um, do I feel like I made progress with my fitness? Did, did I have my math tests and be like, like I'm looking at things kind of all the time. Um, and, and race results help a little bit, but like, I mean, y'all know, I don't race that often. I, I, I'm not really focused on, I mean, I'm focused on trying to get to Boston here one of these days, but like. It's not, it's not something that I feel like I'm knocking on the door. And, and quite frankly, like if I do or don't, like, it's not like, it's not like that makes or breaks for me. Um, but, but, you know, in, in terms of successful, I guess for me, it's, it's, am I still enjoying it? Do I feel like I'm making progress? Am I, am I moving in the right direction? And, and, you know, I mean, I, I do kind of have my eye on, I want to still be running, you know, hopefully, 30, 40, 50, maybe 50 years from now. I mean, if I'm 91 and I'm still cruising around like Bobby Krim is doing, you know, like that would be a, that would be pretty awesome. And so, you know, am I, am I doing in 2023 something that's hopefully going to set me up for where I want to be in, in 2043, 2053, 2063? If so, then it's, it's a success. Even if, even if it wasn't, you know, the, the best race year, even if I didn't run all the races and set all the PRs, um, like that's, that's the, the unquestionable priority is being healthy and hopefully still being able to run, um, you know, tongue in cheek, but also serious until they put me in the ground. Um, and I want to, you know, a successful year in 2023 is a year that, that seems to be aligned with me still running 30, 40, 50 years from now. So, you know, if there's a couple good race performances, that helps, you know, that, that's a cherry on top. If there's an injury or there's a setback or there's a year where maybe my performance lagged, but like at the end of the year, I'm still healthy. Like it's still, a, it's still a successful year. Maybe not as great of a year as I would have hoped, but it's still, it's still all right. We're still moving in that direction. Um, and, but I mean, you know, again, like anybody who runs a race doesn't want to have a bad race, right? Like we want it. We want to hit our goals. That, that helps. That feels, it feels better when I have a good race versus not, but in terms of, how much, how much 
does that impact my my look at, at back at a year in general? It's it's not high on the list of of metrics that I'm super concerned about. So yeah, I pay attention to where I'm at, how how I feel about a year, but it's pretty loose. It's pretty subjective, and you know, it's not something that I really really meticulously look over like a lot of things in my life. I'm not meticulous about very much, uh, as you may have picked up over the years. But uh, thanks for the question, Rick. Hope the uh, the air is staying relatively clear up there um, because that sucks too. Anyway, next question from Barb. Uh, at what point would you be concerned about your heart rate in a race? My heart rate averages 175 plus in a half marathon. How long is that sustainable? Um, so I guess the, the first question is, are we, are we, are we measuring with a, with your watch or with a heart rate strap? Because if we're measuring with your watch, I, I wouldn't be too, I, I wouldn't put too much weight into that. Um, if you're measuring with your strap and you're pretty, pretty certain that that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, if you're, if you're getting through 13.1 and it's working for you, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. Like, like ultimately, and, and without trying to be dismissive, Barb, that's certainly not my intent here, but like. In a race, I don't worry about my heart rate at all. Like, not even at all. I, it's it's the I don't even track. I mean, I track my my heart. I still wear my heart rate strap. Uh, my watch is still picking it up. But like, I adjust the face of my watch so that I can't see my heart rate. I don't want to. I don't want to look down and see a, a heart rate at 160, 170, 175, and panic and think, oh god, I'm running too. Like, no, I'm running. I'm racing. We're we're getting after it. And if my heart rate's in the one one sixties, and that feels like that's what I can maintain, and that's where we're going to be. You know, if it's one seventy, one seventy five, whatever, that's all good. Doesn't matter. It's race day. We're get, we're getting after it. You know, afterwards, I'll kind of look back and see where we were and how things went. Um, I mean, I would I would say that probably in the one seventy fives, like that's probably not not super sustainable for like longer term. But if you're feeling good, you're not fading at the end of thirteen point one, then okay. I mean, whatever. It works for you. It works for you. That's what matters. Um, but unless, unless you feel like you, like you're, you're overcooking it, in which case slow down. Uh, but unless you feel like, like there's a problem and your heart's racing and it shouldn't be uh, on race day, I'm not worried about my heart rate in the slightest, it's going to do what it's going to do. We're going to try to get to that damn finish line as fast as we can. And whatever that means that the heart rate's going to do. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, I wouldn't stress about it. Because race day is time to get after it, you know, on, on an easy training day, then you worry about it. race day, pff, go, go girl. Don't worry about the heart rate. Just go. Uh, next question from Barb as well. Next couple questions from Barb. Any tips on getting a good race photo? Every pick I get looks like a death march with my legs in an awkward position. I suspect some of the burden is on the photographer, but geez, nah, there's no, like the only way that you can maybe get a good race photo is if you can see if you know where the photographer is, you see him well enough out and you kind of, all right, whew, all right. Like maybe slow down. You maybe you're like, you're looking at the camera, you know, you're, you're waving your thumbs up in like what, like in those instances, it's possible, not guaranteed, but at least possible. If, if the, if the camera is kind of just snipering and you're not really sure it's there, um, yeah, there's, there's no good, like there, there aren't really good running. And if you're, and if you're really racing hard, you're probably, you know, if your heart rate's in the one seventy fives, you're getting after it. Like you, that, that still shot 
always looks your form looks worse. Your legs are like everything looks it, yeah. Okay. That, that, that's, that is kind of just how it's going to be, you know? And, and I, I don't like seeing action shots of me running. Although I've had a couple of good ones and it's usually when I can see the camera and I'm, and I'm you know, like giving a thumbs up or whatever. And, and you kind of perk yourself up. Um, maybe those work out all right. And, and you're right. There is a little bit of a burden on the photographer. Hopefully the photographer has got the high speed thing going. And they're taking, you know, a half dozen photos in, you know, in, in a one second window, um, because then one of them might work out all right. But if they're just, if they're just taking one and hoping for the best, yeah, good luck. Good luck. So do your best. But yeah, I think most race photos look pretty bad, pretty bad. Um, but sometimes that's the fun of getting a race photo is that it looks pretty bad and you're just like, yeah, every, but I promise you everybody that has ever looked at a race photo has seen something they're like, God, do I really look like this? Yeah, you do. But so do all of us. And when it's in motion, it doesn't look nearly, it doesn't look bad at all. That one random still shot where you're like, how, how does no, how? Yeah. Yeah. That's all of us. It's all of us. Final question from Barb. What does your ideal 4th of July celebration look like? So as you, as you might could guess, from Thessaly's question earlier about the fireworks, um, I'm, I, you know, my ideal 4th of July celebration doesn't, d- d- maybe doesn't uh, tick the box of most ideal 4th of July celebrations. I don't really care to go to the parade. Um, I'm probably going to go because I probably don't want to deal with their aftermath of being like, yeah, I'm going to sit this one out. Um, but like, I just want the stupid parade to get over with. Um, like ideal, what is my ideal 4th of July? So I want to go for a run. I want to, you know, have some, some, some fruit, get the grill going, have some burgers, some dogs, maybe a brat. Um, maybe, maybe start day drinking a little earlier than normal. Um, and just chill. I don't want to go anywhere. Ideally, I don't really want to see anybody. I mean, your family's cool. If there's neighbors, like if we were, if we were staying here, you know, the neighbors were cooking out or something, that'd be fine. Uh, but I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to be in a crowd of people. I don't want to go to the freaking fireworks. I don't want to go to the parade. Um, I don't want to go, you know, I just, I just want the grill to be the grill to be hot, the drinks to be cold. And I want to run in the morning. That's about it. I'm a simple man. In case, in case you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty basic. Um, and that would be, that would be a solid July 4th. That probably is nothing like what my July 4th is really going to look like. But whatever, I'll got to got to get along to go along or go along to get along or what, however that saying works out. But thanks for the questions, Barb. Hope things are well in your, you're in Fargo, right? Yeah, you're in Fargo. I feel like I question that all the time. Hope things are well up in Fargo. Uh, next question from Candy. Um, sorry, it's, I've been ghosting, but I've had some medical issues. Well, Candy, hope you're, hope you're feeling all right. Hope things are going well. Question one, how does one get back to running? I've done a race here and there. But it's been t- it's been hard, and kind of question two kind of works together. We'll answer them both simultaneously. How do I get back into the running frame of mind? So, you know, when you've been out for a while for any number of reasons, but certainly you know, in in a medical situation, you haven't been able to run for a while. Getting back into the groove is tough. It's tough. Um, and I think I think maybe sometimes the biggest thing that you can do is is really difficult, but it's kind of to forget about what you could do before. Uh, because, because it's real easy to look back and, and I'm going to make up numbers. Maybe they're accurate candy. Maybe they're not. doesn't matter. 
but hopefully it just helps to prove the point a little bit or, or, or at least il- illustrate the point that like, you know, maybe before you were running, you know, you were running 12 minute miles, no sweat for 10 K half marathon, whatever, you know, 12 minute miles, pretty comfortable, felt good. And then you're out for some time. You go with the medical issues, deal with an injury, whatever the case might be. You get back and like, you're struggling to run 13 thirties. And you're like, Oh, well, that's where you are now. Probably when you were running those 12 minute miles, you probably didn't start out there, right? You were probably running 13 thirties. You're probably running 14 miles. You're probably, you know, walking the majority of like whatever it was, that was, that was where you were at kind of, you know, at, at, it took work to get to that 13 minute mile or that 12 minute mile or that 10 minute mile or eight minute, whatever it was, it took work to get there and you can get back there, but it's, it, it's frustrating to think that you've lost all this fitness. And so that's where it comes to the point of being like, try not to think back, try not to compare, try not to play that comparison game of what you, what you could do before this layoff, before this medical issue. Cause that's not where you are right now. And, and beating yourself up over like, Oh, I'm so slow or I've, I've lost this fitness or whatever. Um, doesn't do you any favors. And if you, if you just go, Hey, we're, we're at 1330 right now. That's all right. I'm, I'm out here. I'm running again, you know? Um, and so, you, so you kind of start getting back into the groove and, and you don't worry about it too much. You just at 1330. And then, you know, a couple of weeks from now, maybe it's 1315. And then you, you get back down to 13 minutes and you, all right, things are starting to progress. And you can kind of, you know, remember, I used to be able to run 12 minute pace pretty comfortably and, and not, not there yet, but we'll get there and just kind of help to, to not compare and just take it one day at a time um, is kind of the best way to get back into it. But at the, the, the yin to the yang of that is that that can be a hard way to get back into that running frame of mind. And sometimes on that, on that front, at least as I understand it, you're talking about like, like getting back to just enjoying it and getting back into the, the routine. Sometimes you, you kind of have to force it a little bit. Now you don't want to force it too much because that can have a, a negative, you know, a negative rebound or a negative, you know, equal and opposite direct, uh, reaction where like you force it and you're just like the hell with it. I'm not doing this anymore. We don't want that to happen. But, you know, maybe it's like, like, all right, you're struggling to get out the door, struggling to get it, you know, a couple, you know, into the three or four days a week or whatever your normal routine might be. Um, and, and so, you know, it's just like, what, what are the, what is the minimum step that you can take? Um, you know, maybe you say that, all right, I'm going to run tomorrow or tomorrow is supposed to be a running day, but it's really a struggle. All right. Well, just get your shoes on, get your running clothes on and walk out the front door. And if you, once you get outside and you're dressed and you're, you're got your shoes on, you're right re- and everything should be ready to go. And you're just like, I really don't want to then turn around and come back in. But you tick the box of like, I got dressed and I got outside because most of the time, if you get outside, you're gonna be like, well, I, I might as well go get a mile, right? I might, I might, I'm, I'm here, I'm up, I'm dressed. I'm, I might as well go for a little bit. And then, you know, you get out there half a mile, like, well, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't so bad. Like I'll take a little walk break and I'll run a little bit more and you end up with two or three miles. Um, but you just kind of got to force yourself to, to, to get to a certain point in the process. And then if you, if you're not feeling it, you don't want to, Hey, all right, no factor. But then the next day you get your shoes on and or whatever the next day is, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's two days from now you get your shoes on, you get, you, you get dressed, you walk out the front door and you go, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll go get my mile in. Um, and it just kind of starts to build some of that routine, some of that momentum, which makes it a little bit easier to, to get out there every day, which also, Oh, by the way, makes it a little bit easier to build the fitness back, get back to where you, so it's like they work together. Um, but it's just a process and it's not easy. Um, but, but give yourself some grace, give yourself some permission to, to not be perfect. Um, 
and this time of year is a tough time of year to get back into it anyway. So, you know, just, just give yourself grace with the heat and it's, it's tough in the summer. Uh, but maybe you can get into a couple of five K's or something like that to help, help with the motivation, but it'll come, it'll come. You just kind of gotta, you gotta, you kind of gotta force it, but you also kind of got to give yourself some permission to not force it and kind of figure out what that balance is for you. Easier said than done. Sure. Um, but I promise you, you're not the first person that's had this struggle. You're not the last person that'll have this struggle. Um, and, and as long as you don't, I don't want to say quit, but like, as, as long as you want to get back to it, you'll, you'll find your way back to a good routine, building your fitness back up and you know, whatever other things that you want to do in running, like they'll come back into view and you'll be back in that mindset. And you know, then it's not that it's easy from there, but you just keep on keeping on from there. Um, and, and that's, that's what we're all doing. That's what we're all doing. Right. So glad, to, glad to have a, a couple of questions from you again, Candy, and, and hope that all the, the medical issues are behind you. And welcome back to the to the running fold. And uh, thanks for the questions. Appreciate it. Next, we got a couple of questions from Lewis, and it wouldn't be a question from Lewis without some nonsense question that I don't care about. First question from Lewis: It's nonsense. I don't care about it, but we'll at least address it. Uh, what do you think about Jacob Ingebrigtsen, whatever his last name is, breaking the world record for two miles on the track? All right, awesome. Like, I mean, I don't think about it. I don't. I don't care. Like, cool. I mean, congratulations. I mean, I don't even remember what the time was, but it was stupid. Uh, the dude's fast. The dude's talented. Awesome. I don't know what else, what else, what do you think about it? I don't know. Who, who are we thinking about it? I mean, other than like, it's again, it's cool, but like, I mean, I don't know. I still got podcasts to do. I still got, you know, like I'm not, not, not losing any sleep about it. I'm not reading all of the stories. I'm like, cool. I saw it pass across my timeline. I've literally thought about it more in the last 40 seconds than I have in the, in the, the weeks since he set the record. So that's what I think about it. Next question. Also from Lewis, I've got what I think is a strain between my lower back and right hip. I have a race on July 29th and I also want to keep my running streak intact. Any ideas as to what stretches I could do to alleviate the pain between now and then? Oh man, Lewis, I, I want to be kind here. I'm going to try to be kind here. Um, so first of all, if, if it's a strain, stretching is not what you want to do. This is, this is the easy part to be kind is this is is educating. And and it's something that a lot of us get wrong. Uh, that might, that might be harsh. We're not getting it wrong on purpose, but when you strain your muscle, whether it's a calf or a hamstring or a lower back or whatever it is, if it, if it truly is a muscle strain, which sometimes it may not be, it's, it's hard to know for sure. But if, if that's the case, then what, what you basically did to try to make it as simple as possible, a strain is like an overstretch. It's, it's a minor tear. Don't freak out. Like it happens. It's common body repairs itself. No big deal, but it is, it's a minor tear. It's a, it's an overstretch. And so as it's healing, if you're going to keep stretching it, guess what that does for the healing slows it down because you're stretching a muscle or at least a section of the muscle, the tissue of the muscle that was stretched to the point of, of tearing. And so it's trying to heal and then you're stretching, which is slowing down the healing process. So you don't really want to stretch. Um, now it may not be a strain. It may be a spasm. Like there's a lot of things it could be. Um, and if it's in your lower back hip area, like that's a hard place to stretch anyway. So like maybe, maybe that doesn't really apply. 
But just to try to put that out there in general, if you have a if you have a good muscle strain, muscle pull, whatever you want to call it, like that's a tear, and stretching it is may there's there's maybe a point where a little bit of minor stretching, but like you're better off to not poke the bear with stretching because you're just going to re tear basically uh, the the tissue potentially make it worse if you're really stretching, so you want to avoid that. Um, you know, so what kind of things did you do? Maybe there's a little bit of foam rolling. Maybe there's a little bit of massage, like light massage work. Um, maybe there's take some time off. Maybe there's don't run your race in July. I mean, depending on the severity of it, like, and, and this is where I'm going to, I, I might come across as mean Lewis and I, I don't mean to, and I'm not trying to, but like, if your body's breaking down, that's kind of a sign that like something's, something's, something's got to give, right? And in this case, potentially it's the muscle in your lower back. And so could you maybe, and I'm not necessarily recommend, I'm, I'm not recommending this, but I know how you streak people are. Could you maybe continue to run to, to continue with the streak, you know, get your one mile a day or whatever your, your minimum mileage is. Keep it real simple, slow, easy, not intense at all, and and the the body could heal, the muscle could heal itself, or whatever is off could heal itself. That's possible. It's possible. But if you're going to continue to try to push for this race while also streaking, while also having this issue going on, like I'm not saying that it's it's destined to get worse, but I'm not not saying it's going to get worse. Like it very well could to where now you have no choice, but to not race. And now you have no choice, but to break the streak because it's something that's, that's beyond what you can work through. Not saying that it's going to happen, but like these, this is some of the calculus that you need to, to be working through in terms of like, what's most, is the race the most important thing to where if you do this race in, a, in another month and then you totally jack this muscle up or your hip or your back or whatever, and, and now you, you, you know, you can't run for three months, probably that, that progression, probably not going to happen, but this is the calculus you need to be thinking of. Is that a fair trade? Is that a trade you're willing to make? If not, then maybe you, you don't train for the race. Maybe it's still on the back burner in terms of something that you could maybe, you know, if it's a 5k or a 10k, you know, maybe something you could still do. Maybe you don't race it hard, but like you could still participate and you could still run. And, and with a, with a month of relatively low intensity training, um, Maybe your back would, would heal itself in that time and you could get out there and, and maybe even push a little bit. Maybe that's a possibility, but you need to be potentially willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to focus on that race right now. I'm going to focus on running short and easy to maintain the streak, which I still think you should give up. But that's, that's another discussion for another day um, while my back is healing. And then we'll worry about the race and the preparations for the race once the back is good to go. But I just, I just feel like this is potentially, and maybe the, the strain, the injury, whatever was completely separate from running. Maybe it was from, you know, doing yard work, lifting something up. You strained your back, which is possible, certainly, in which case running isn't really the bugaboo. Um, and as long as you can run pain-free, then maybe it's not a big deal. I don't feel like that's probably the case based on the question, but like, you know, there's, there's a lot of variables in play here. There's a lot of, it depends going on. Um, and it's, it's. I, th- I think this is one of those where like looking at the big picture a little bit in terms of if things go sideways, if this gets worse, 
what does that mean? What, uh, what, 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 what level of escalation am I okay with? And if none, then maybe you, you need to really seriously think about pulling back. Um, but it, there's not, a, there's not a right answer. And there's quite frankly, there's not an answer that like, this isn't an answer I can give you. Like, this is something you've got to figure out, think about, weigh the pros, weigh the cons. Um, you know, how does, how does, if this injury gets worse, none of this, how does it affect your running streak, but how does it affect your daily life? You know, like, like, how does it, does it affect work? Does it affect family life? Does it affect those types of things? Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of layers to this and it might just be a little strain in the back now. That's not that big of a deal, but like those little strains in the back can turn into something big. Maybe it's an alignment issue. Maybe if you, you know, and sorry to keep going on and on, but like, there's so many things that maybe it's something where you go get your, your back adjusted at a chiropractor or, or you get hips adjusted, something like that. Something pops back into, into the right alignment. And the pain goes away. Stranger things have happened. Um, so maybe it's something that you that you might be best to see somebody with. But I wouldn't just start stretching. Because you start stretching like crazy, you can make a, a little strain worse. Um, especially in the low back area. You can start to you start to stretch too much and then you pull something else off and now your hips are all cattywampus and you got problems. Um, one thing that could help though, how's this for a transition to a sponsor reminder, sponsor read? Uh, amino acids, you know, like that's, that's the building blocks of muscle. If you do have a little strain going on Lewis or anyone, um, I'm not saying that amino co is going to magically solve your strain, uh, allow your muscle to heal, but you're giving it the building blocks, right? You're giving it that amino acid situation that, that is the, the makeup of your tissues, certainly of your muscle tissues, arguably of most tissues, but that's, that's another topic for another day. Um, so maybe a little extra recovery blend, a little bit, a little bit in the coffee and maybe a little bit throughout the day as well just to make sure you're giving your body what it needs while it's trying to do this repair process. And if you want to get some from AminoCo, you know, I mean, like I said, make sure that, that, uh, that you're letting them know that you're hearing about it here by using the link AminoCo, A-M-I-N, A-M-I-N-O-C-O. I don't have it in front of me. You'd think I would know this by now. You'd think I know how to spell AminoCo anyway. A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash disruns is the link disruns at checkout saves you 30 percent again i'm not saying lewis that it's going to make the, the world a difference for your your back but it ain't gonna hurt it ain't gonna hurt and it might make your coffee a little bit more i don't want to say it's better because coffee by itself coffee black is delicious but coffee with a little little mocha little chocolate in there turn into a little mocha with the frother hmm, that's good stuff good stuff but thanks for the questions my friend and in all seriousness lewis um i don't care about the the world record for the two miles on the track being broken who cares I don't, maybe you do. I don't, but I really do hope your back improves quickly and you're able to maintain your streak, still run your race and be feeling good. Um, I, I really seriously do. So, so keep me posted, uh, and, and good luck. Thanks for the questions. Uh, next from melody. Do you miss being able to go to the house of mouse anytime you want? Does Addie miss it? Um, I mean, like I miss having the ability to, I think, and I'm sure Addie does. So, so, so I mean, we all do like we've, like our family has gone to Disney enough times that like, yeah, clearly we enjoy it or we wouldn't have gone as many times as we did. We wouldn't have spent as much money on annual passes as we had. Like clearly we enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, not being able to go like, like it's a little bit of a bummer, but that said, like I, I am not really in any rush to, to go back. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll go to Disney again at some point and I'm not, not anti Disney all of a sudden, but like, like it's, it's kind of one of those where, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And right now, like I'm, I'm okay with not being at Disney a handful of times a year. Um, you know, and, and 
curmudgeonly, you know, grumpy old man, uh, grumpy, you know, old man Cray here. Um, I enjoyed being there, but like the traffic got, had gotten so bad where it was like, ugh, it almost was like, I almost didn't want to go to Disney cause I didn't want to have to deal with the traffic on I four. Um, so from that part of it, I don't miss it at all. Uh, do I miss, you know, walking through the gate? Do I miss, you know, having a chance to meet up with friends when, when friends or family from out of town, like my, my cousin's daughter, um, just got accepted into the college program. So she's going to be working, working at Disney, you know, at least for the next six months or so. Um, and I'd love to be able to go see her, you know, like, like, uh, and I don't know her that well, but of course I know her, you know, she's my, my cousin's daughter. She's been in the family for, you know, her whole, her whole life. Um, and so like, it would have been cool to, to go be able to go see her and, and, you know, I don't know where she's working. I don't know if she's working at a restaurant or attractions or whatever, but like, if we were still down there, would we, would we go see her a, a couple few times or at least try to coordinate? Hey, when are, when are you working? We'll, we'll come by and see, hi, say hi or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would have, do, would have loved to do that. Um, so it's those types of things that I miss more than just like being able to go. I miss the water parks. I mean, I love, I love me some Disney water parks. I love the people watching at Disney water parks second to none. Um, so I miss that. Sure. Um, but am I, am I jonesing to go back to, to Disney, you know, sometime real soon now? No, eventually we'll get back down there. Um, but I, I, I miss it in theory, but I don't really yet. I will. They'll, they'll come a point. Um, I don't know if it'll be, you know, next year, year after. I don't know when that point will be. Um, and you know, and we'll get back at some point, but for right now, I'm, I'm good with a little Disney detox. It's, it's, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it for sure. Uh, thanks for the questions and you've got, you've got more coming. So I get, you got another one here and then I know there's more coming too. So next question also from Melody, do you still use your scraper? Has it, or did it help? I use it on occasion. Um, I tend to use it for like around my Achilles, low calf, um, shins, things like that, where it's kind of bony areas where getting on the, the foam roller, maybe isn't, you know, you can give, you can foam roll your calf pretty good, but it's like, at least for me, it's, I don't feel like I get much from foam rolling like my Achilles tendon. Uh, but with the scraper, with the scraping tools, like, yeah, I can get in there pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, it, I feel like it, I don't feel like it's a game changer. Just like, I don't feel like getting on the foam roller one time is a game changer. Does it make a difference over time? Sure. Um, is it something that I could probably use a little bit more? Should probably use a little bit more? Probably. Um, I'm, I'm glad I have them. It's a good option. I, I, dig them out once in a while. Um, I use it more than I use that, that back brace thing, the posture corrector, certainly. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think that it's, it's a good addition. It's a good thing to have in the toolbox. I'm glad I have it. Um, but I certainly don't use it daily. Don't even use it weekly. Uh, probably, probably once a month or so I'll, you know, do some work on my Achilles tendons and maybe my, my knee tendons a little bit. Um, like while watching TV or something like that, that, that seems like it works enough. Uh, cause it's not, not super comfortable, <laughs> not super comfortable. It, it gets in there. It breaks up some stuff. Um, so you feel it and I wouldn't, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't use it every day, at least not in the same body part. You can mix and match a little bit, but, um, but I enjoy it. I, I don't enjoy it. I use it. I think it's valuable. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe answers the question. Maybe. I don't know. Do I use it occasionally? Has it helped? I think so. Is it a game changer? Nah. Um, next question from Heather, what in your expert opinion? I am an, I have an expert opinion now in case y'all weren't, weren't aware my opinion. It's expert. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate that. I will wear that. I will, I will, I will claim that from now until forever. 
what, in my expert opinion, is the most frequently ignored piece of the puzzle when it comes to overall runner's health and wellness? I, I think this one, um, I think this is an easy one. I think this is an easy one. I think it's sleep. I think it's sleep. I think it's hands down sleep. I think, I think for all of us modern day humans, you know, at least living in, um, you know, industrialized, electricalized, device wise, device eyes, device. I think, I think all of us in America, Western Europe, lots of Asia, um, we, we sacrifice sleep way too much, you know, whether, and, and uh, runners, we do it too. Cause we get up early, you know, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm on, on Saturday, I'm going to be up at whatever four o'clock in the morning or four thirty in the morning to go out and try to get my, my long run in, um, without interrupting the day too much. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go to bed at seven o'clock on Friday night. Right. So like, like there's, there's way too many examples of us staying up too late with devices and TVs and smartphones and things like that. And then still getting up in the morning you know, I like to think I do pretty decent on the sleep front. Like I get, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep most nights, but like I could probably do with more, um, because sleep is, sleep is, is sleep is a good thing y'all in terms of, you know, you want, you want performance enhancement drug that's legal, get some, get some good sleep, uh, get more good sleep. Um, so I think, I think that for a lot of us, especially those that are like, oh yeah, you know, five, six hours of sleep. Like I can, I can run on that. Like, nah. You can run on that, but you can't run optimally. You probably can't run optimally on that. Um, and so I think that, that if more people and myself absolutely included really optimized for good sleep, it would make a world of difference in our running performance, but arguably more importantly, in our just overall health and wellness, full stop, full stop. So, you know, getting the, the cooling sheets and getting the, the, whether it's an eye mask and earplugs or white noise machine and blackout curtains and like getting the devices out of the bedroom, like all of those things that we've probably heard that we can do, should do. And we'd rather, you know, buy a, another pair of running shoes or, a uh, spring for a, a race registration than get blackout curtains. Um, that would make a difference for us for a lot more than a handful of hundred miles or the next 13.1 miles or whatever. Um, probably, probably something that in my expert opinion, a hundred percent is the most important thing yet easily ignored, often overlooked thing for our running health and wellness is, is a good quality night's sleep and not just, ah, making that a priority. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the answer for sure for me, but it's just my opinion, although it is an expert opinion. So there's that, uh, but thanks. Thanks you for, uh, for, for putting that, that label on me, Heather, you are not going to hear the end of me talking about my expert opinion. So thank you, milady. And thanks for the question. Uh, next from Martin up the road here in the, uh, the greater Georgia, North Georgia region outside of Atlanta. My man asks or says, uh, my last few weekly long runs between five and seven miles have left me feeling absolutely exhausted throughout the day. As in by noon, I'd rather just crash on the couch than move at all more so than previous runs of longer duration, albeit in cooler weather and having gels and water with me. Any thoughts or opinions on something I need to be doing to combat that? My sleep has been reasonably regular, and I typically drink 100-plus ounces of water throughout the day afterwards. Um, I mean, my first inclination is that maybe you need to slow down a little bit. Maybe you're maybe you're, you're pushing the pace too hard, exerting too much energy in those longer runs, and it's just, it's just tapping you out for the rest of the day. And especially with the heat and humidity right now, um, it might not be that the pace is too fast, but it's just, it's just too stressful 
too much exertion given the conditions and it just, it just saps the energy out of you. Um, you know, and, and, but, but also if I'm reading this correctly, like maybe it's a fuel issue, maybe, maybe just taking, taking a little bit of fuel with you or having a little something, but I don't know if you, if you eat before you go out, but maybe that would help. Um, you know, I feel like there's, there's, there's potential to, to, to do a little trial and error and figure some things out in terms of if you eat a little bit before, or you eat a little bit during, you take one gel during it's, I mean, not that I'm ever going to recommend a gel, but if that has worked for you in the past, like maybe you, you take it, take a gel and, and a water bottle with you. Um, and maybe that makes a big difference. Like you still, you know, you, I mean, I think most of us, like you still, after a long run and long is all relative. So, you know, six, seven, eight miles, like sure. Yeah, it's a long run. Um, if that leaves you feeling tired and exhausted, like absolutely wrecked throughout the day, um, like, like we're going to be tired after is what I'm trying to say, but like you can, you can hopefully figure out a way to, to not be that wrecked again, whether it's nutrition, whether it's slowing down a little bit, maybe, maybe you're just reaching too much in terms of like, you know, maybe it ne- your longer needs to be like four five, six miles instead of five, six, seven, eight miles, you know? So maybe you just back it down just a little bit. Maybe you just back it down for a couple of weeks to have a couple of, of long ish runs that like you're still able to function for the rest of the day afterwards. And you're like, all right. And then you bump it up by a half a mile or a mile and, and just kind of gradually ease back up and you'll be fine. Uh, but again, there's, there's some trial and error here. Um, and maybe it's just the heat of summer that's getting you because Lord knows it's a thing. Maybe you can start a little bit earlier. So then you start to sacrifice sleep, which isn't optimal, but you get your run done, you know, by seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning instead of at eight, nine, ten o'clock once the sun becomes more of a factor. And maybe that doesn't take as much out of you that way. So play with the variables, try to figure it out. Um, but I, I do know that I've talked to some folks that have really kind of bought into running easier and they're amazed at how much energy they still have after their long runs. So that's, that's why my first inclination is maybe you're just pushing too hard because if you, if you back it down just a hair and it might not be much, but back it down 15 seconds a mile, 20 seconds a mile, something like that. Um, maybe you'd, you'd finish feeling a lot less gas to where a little bit of water breakfast, now we're on for the rest of the day. No factor. So play with it. Um, and maybe it's just where you're at in the training cycle, rebuilding, getting back into running right now. And, and after a couple of months, the same type of run will be a non-factor. And maybe it's just part of part of that process. But again, if it is part of that process, maybe you're just out a little bit too far in front of your skis right now. Pull it back, either slow it down, cut a mile or two off it, or maybe both until you get your, your legs literally and metaphorically more underneath you. And then you can keep moving, keep building and, and be feeling good because if you're that wrecked after, after your long run, I mean, sometimes you can make that work, but sometimes if you've got family and life and things going on, like that's just not an option in which case maybe you got to dial back the long run a little bit so you can still get the long run and get the life going as well. But thanks for the questions, my friend. Stay, stay cool out there as much as you can. More from Melody. Next one. Does a Theragun do the same thing as a foam roller? I mean, yes, but no, like, they're both kind of self-massage tools, right? Um, but clearly the foam roller works in a different way than the massage gun, right? Like the massage gun hammers into you a little bit, gets probably a little bit deeper. The foam roller, a little bit more superficial. Obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like, you know, is, is one type of massage the same as a di- is another type? Of, I mean, they're both massages, but like also they're clearly different, right? So, so I, and I don't mean that disparagingly, but it's just like, like, yes, they both, they both, they're different ways. So they don't do the same thing, but they're different, different means to maybe the same end in terms of breaking up adhesions, loosening up tissue, increasing blood flow, 
it, they both do those types of things, but their method to get there is very different. So d- does that mean they're the same thing? Maybe to me, they're very different, but they're different tools to still get the same job done, which helps with recovery. So there's, there's that. So it's, it's a kind of a blurred line. Maybe it's a blurred line. Like, uh, you know, is, 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 uh, trail running and road running is trail running a good cross training effort for road running. Well, I mean, not really, but maybe kind of I feel like it's the same thing here. Like is, is a Theragun the same thing as a foam roller? I mean, not really, but maybe kind of, maybe kind of next question. Also from melody, maybe the last one from melody for today. Uh, how does dew point affect running? I have no idea. I am not a meteorologist. I did not stay at a holiday in last night. I do offer expert opinions, but I feel like this is not an opinion question. This is a fact-based question. And as such, I don't know. I mean, the higher the dew point, I feel like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend to know. Cause somebody here, Jason Dennis is going to ask the meteorologist at the news station. And then they're going to be like this guy, this freaking clown. He has no idea what he's talking about. You're right on this one. I have no idea what I ta- I'm talking about. I don't know. Just, just run, you know, just run. I, I don't know. I do not know how dew point affects running. Um, I can honestly say, I don't know that I've ever really like cared to check what the dew point. I've, I've seen the dew point in the weather app before, but that's never been a factor that I've considered. I've looked at humidity, looked at heat temperature. I've looked at wind, looked at air quality. The dew point has zero impact on whether or not I'm going to go run tomorrow. Zero. Although the dew point won't be zero tomorrow, but I don't, I have no idea. Jason Dennis, ask, ask the, the, the weather, the weather person. And, and report back. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Uh, thanks for the questions though, Melody. Appreciate you. Uh, next couple questions from Stephanie. First one, it seems like other runners ignore my slight wave and simple hello a ton more now than a few years ago. And I swear I don't look like a crazy person. Is greeting another runner no longer in vogue? Should I stop? No, ma'am. I, I, it may no longer be in vogue, but I don't, I don't think you should stop. I think that, um, I think that sometimes I've been guilty of very much just kind of being lost in my own world. And I'm sure that I've ignored people that have waved, uh, and, and maybe, you know, muttered a simple hello. Um, I, I, I know I've, I've ignored people and I, and not mean to just kind of, I'm lost in my, I'm in my own, like this, this run sucks. and I want to get it over. I'm wrapped up in whatever I'm listening to. I'm not really paying attention in terms of like, I mean, I've seen people, but I'm not like, are they waving? Do they make eye contact? Do they not? Um, I do my best to try to say hi and wave to everybody that I see out there. Um, but sometimes, sometimes I don't either for whatever reason. Um, but I think it's, I think it's one of those that like, it's, 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 and I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I'm going to probably say it the wrong way. I think it's more of a reflection on them not responding than, than like, like you be the, you be the, you be the, the friendly runner that waves that says, hello, whatever. And if they don't respond, assume that they're probably not paying attention and they don't really see you or, or maybe they're just an asshole, you know, but probably not, but maybe like there's, there's one or two assholes out there. And, and maybe, maybe that those are the ones more often than not, they probably don't see you, but that they, they're not worried about that. You look like a crazy person. You're not going to say hello. Um, so, so yeah, wave, say hi, smile. Um, and you know, some, some people respond, some people won't, but like, that's kind of on them. Um, and, and if you ever wave to me and I don't respond, it's not because I think you're a crazy person. It's because I'm lost in my pain cave or my happy place or wherever I am. Um, but I appreciated you waving, even if I didn't respond. Okay. 
Hopefully that makes a little sense. Keep waving, keep smiling, and and um, hopefully more often than not, you'll get people that are are waving back, and even when they're struggling, going, "Hey, good morning." Um, that's what I, that's what I do. I say good morning, no matter what time of day I'm running. Like, and, and I because t- I typically run in the morning, but occasionally I'm out there in the afternoon and I run by somebody. Hey, morning. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, Diz. So then I'm the crazy person that says good morning at four o'clock in the afternoon. But at least I, at least I'm being friendly. At least that's what I tell myself. Next question, also from Stephanie. I got caught in the rain a couple times recently. What's the proper method to care for wet running shoes? Oh, I love this topic because I feel like I've got the solution. Now, a lot of people say just throw your shoes in the in the, in the dryer. That works. And I mean, sure, if you like to hear the banging of your, your shoes in the dryer. Like, I don't necessarily think that the dryer ruins your shoes, but like, it also beats them up. So what's the point? And it's also just ignoring your boom, 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 boom for, you know, a 40 minute dryer cycle. Um, some people say just put, put like uh newspaper in your shoes and let that absorb the moisture, but it's 2023. Like, do we really have newspaper? Like, I don't have, I haven't bought a newspaper in 20 years. I, I mean, I, I've actually bought a newspaper more recent than that, but it's been a while. I don't have just newspaper laying around. Um, the best option bar none that I've ever experienced is you take your shoe and you lay it down on its side. So like the, the spot where you'd slide your foot in, like where the ankle goes is pressed up against the base of your refrigerator. And when the refrigerator cycles through the cooling cycle, it releases hot, dry air out of the bottom of your refrigerator. At least that's where the refrigerator vent typically is. Put your running shoes with the, the hole open up against the base of the refrigerator. And a couple hours later, bone dry inside there. Even, no matter how wet. I mean, if they're super wet, it might take overnight. Uh, but I've never had a pair of shoes that wasn't ready to go the next morning after just setting them in front of the refrigerator. Now, you know, sometimes you got to readjust when you're opening and closing the refrigerators. And if you've got kids, that might be an issue. But they will dry out shockingly fast without any clanks and bangs and bops through the, the, through the dryer. No um, newspaper necessary. Just, just recycling the dry air coming out from the bottom of your fridge done and dusted. You're welcome. You're welcome. But thanks for the question, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Keep waving at the folks out there. All right. Uh, next up it is time once again for the Tom trifecta. First question from Western New York. What does foam rolling do that stretching does not do and vice versa? So, uh, I mean, foam rolling is more massage. Stretching is more lengthening. Um, I would, I would argue, I think that the science backs me up on this, that probably stretching feels good, I think. I mean, I, f- I feel like I feel good when I'm stretching. But, like, really lastingly lengthening your muscles, like, it, it can happen. But, like, I think you get more bang for your buck for foam, from foam, foam rolling. Um, but stretching, all right, so, so what does stretching do or not do? Stretching is going to help to lengthen the muscles. may help with a little bit of range of motion, things like that. All that, that's, that's arguable. Um, but the foam rolling, like that's going to break up adhesions in the muscle, increase blood flow, um, better for probably better for recovery. I don't think that one is necessarily, I, I know I just kind of just said that I think foam rolling is probably better. I think that I prefer foam rolling, not that I do either. So let's not kid ourselves there. I prefer foam rolling over stretching. It feels more active, less, less like I'm just sitting here holding the position. So I think I like that a little bit better. Um, both can be good. Both are helpful for recovery. Um, I think that the better one is whichever one you're going to do. Um, but it also depends on what's going on. I mean, back to Lewis's question, stretching in that situation, very much not a good idea. Could you foam roll a strained muscle? Yeah. You know, and that could help with, with blood flow. That could help with loosening up the, the scar tissue that's starting to build up in there and, and kind of keep that loose and pliable as the body is re, is repairing itself. So, um, 
there's a time and a place for each situation. I'm not going to get into all the specific logistics of each and each and the other. Um, but they're, they're two good tools to have in your, in your toolbox, having you know, the physical tool of a foam roller and using it, having the option to do some stretching. That's helpful too. Um, so yeah, there you go. Both, both can help loosen up tight tissue. Does it differently. So back to Melody's question, like can be the, the same ends to different, er, same means to an end. It's a different means to the same end. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that that really answers the question. Uh, they're, they're obviously very different. One's again, one's a massage, one's a lengthening tool or a lengthening option. Um, but both can, can help tight muscles, sore muscles, um, maybe even injured muscles to repair themselves depending on the injury. So there you go. I don't know that I answered anything there, but we tried, we tried, uh, question two from Tom. Have you noticed any differences between summer in Georgia and the summer in Florida, how has that affected your running? Yeah. I mean, the biggest difference is not weather related. It's the Hills. There are Hills in Georgia. I feel like I've mentioned this before, uh, that we don't have, or we didn't have in Florida. We have them now because we, we are in Georgia. Um, so that's been the biggest difference. It's just, ugh, the endless Hills. And they're, they're a little bit easier to tolerate when it's cooler, you know, um, weather wise though, which I'm sure is kind of what you're, you're talking about in terms of summer running. Um, it only really got oppressive here in the last couple of weeks. Now, maybe that's unseasonable. I don't know. But uh, near as I can tell from talking to Kate and, and some other folks back in Florida, um, it has not just gotten oppressive in Florida. They've had, they've had some days that were decent, but, you know, it gets oppressive in Florida in April. Um, and here we are, you know, the last part of June before it got oppressive here. So that's been awesome. It's been hot during the day, but the, the mornings have still been relatively comfortable until the last week or so. So, you know, I don't know how much longer that's going to how long this less than comfortable morning runs are going to be probably another couple months. Like it probably won't get comfortable again until labor day, but that's a far cry from Thanksgiving when it gets comfortable in Florida. So, um, so it's been much more comfortable here other than the Hills, which maybe counteracts some of that comfortableness, but we're, we're making it through S- still 10 out of 10 would recommend getting the hell out of Florida, Kate, uh, and coming in and moving here to Georgia. Um, easily without question, the right decision for us, even if it means we can't go to, to the house of mouse quite as often. Uh, last question from Tom. This is for everyone planning, a, playing a certain drinking game. Oh, he is setting you all up. Yeah. Don't, don't at me at Tom Rankin. Uh, what is the best time of day to go running? I'm not, this does not, this is not, uh, this is not a, it depends question. It's a, the best time of day to go running is the time of day that you're going to most likely go. Right. Like, and maybe sometimes that's in the morning. Sometimes it's in the afternoon. Sometimes it's in the evening. Uh, but when, when, when is realistic for you to go? You know, I mean, I, in, in Florida, I used to run on my lunch break cause that was the best time that I was going to get to go. Um, and so, yeah, even in the summertime, I ran on my lunch break. Uh, it wasn't always ideal. Wasn't always fun. Got it done. And it was, it was, it wasn't going to happen if I had to get up early and I was in my pre early days. Um, so that was when I got it done. So that was the best time. At this point in my life, not the best time, you know, noon, not ideal. Um, you know, so now it's, it's early. You get the, get the day started, start off on the right foot, then the left foot, then the right foot. And eventually, you know, you, you, you finish the starting process and like, all right, well, the day is, the day is, the day has begun. Let's go. Um, some, sometimes though, if you have a real rough day getting out there in the evening and just blowing off some steam, that's the best time. So, I mean, I guess it depends, but it's also like what, what works best for you, whatever works best for you is the best time to go running. Um, 
So, you know, worry about your N equals one on this one. And whatever that time is for you, that's the time. Um, so, yeah. But thanks for the questions, Tom, as always. Next up, speaking of the man with two first names, Jason Dennis has a couple of questions here. After two much more uphill marathons this year, my next one is in late July in Utah. Starts at the top of a mountain and goes steadily down for the first 12 to 15 miles uh, and then kind of flattens out from there. Going going fast sounds fun, but what are your recommendations about training for and executing downhill running without blowing out the quads? Um, <laughs> uh, pray. Uh, invest in some rollerblades. Um, I mean... Honestly, like, and this may sound overly simplistic, but like practice, practice, right? Like if you're running an uphill marathon, I feel like there was a question a few months ago about like, you know, how do I train for that? Like you, you train running up, you, you practice running up some hills, right? Like you, you've hopefully you've not hopefully because running hills is rough, but if you have hills around you, I don't know what it's like on your side of the state, Jason, but like, if you got some hills, run them, um, equally, to, to prepare yourself for running downhill. If you can run on some downhills, maybe it's a parking garage, maybe it's an overpass, whatever, but like practice running downhill. Um, because what happens, the reason that, that running downhill or, or maybe the biggest reason that running downhill has, is so notorious with just trashing your quads is that people aren't comfortable running downhill. You, you fight it. You, you put the brakes on, which means that you're, you're pounding your quads the whole way. And if it's, if it's real steep, like you kind of have to put the brakes on, but if it's more of a gradual downhill and you can lean into it and you're comfortable and like, you're not freaking out that like you're moving fast with minimal effort, you won't be, I mean, you might beat up your quads a little bit, but not really that bad. Um, so if you can be comfortable running downhill, that, that make a world of difference for you. So, you know, anytime that you can, you can find a downhill between now and late July, uh, run it. Mix it into your mix it into your long run. Mix it into your your workouts that you're doing. Mix it into your easy runs, whatever it is. Uh, but get com- you know run the downhill, run the run the overpass down, run the parking garage down, um, and that'll serve you well because it, it because it'll it'll help you with feeling comfortable not applying the brake unless you really need it, which will save your quads in a big way. So good luck if you can, I, but I, I do firmly believe for whatever it's worth, whatever my expert opinion, I told you, Heather, I'm not letting that go. Whatever my expert opinion is worth, the the more comfortable you are running downhill pays off in spades on any type of race that has a downhill, whether it's a, a big downhill or whether there's just some hills in a race. If you can bomb down the hill without beating up your quads and putting the brakes on, whew, game changer, game changer. Second question from Jason uh, what are you shooting? Uh, I'm sorry. Are you still shooting for marathons in all 50 States? And if so, how's it going? And what is your next state? I mean, yeah, absolutely still am. Um, although you wouldn't be able to tell seeing as I haven't crossed the state off since 2019, it's, it's been, it's been a dry spell around here. Obviously I don't want to say the pandemic played a part in that because there wasn't any plans that got scuttled because of the pandemic. But I mean, obviously that, that impacted things a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we moved last year. So that impacted things a little bit. I don't have any plans for what the next state is. I feel like I've mentioned before that I haven't run a marathon in Georgia yet. So I feel like that's a low hanging piece of fruit that I should probably pluck off the vine here. One of these days, um, fun, fun fact, and, and probably not fun. You can, you can fast forward if you want. Uh, but the other day, Rebecca was like, Hey, you know, she's, she's, she's got a, a milestone birthday coming up 
uh, in September. And she was like, you know, I'm thinking maybe for my birthday, we should go like do like a race weekend. Like I'll try to PR a, a half marathon and, and maybe you could knock another state off your list. She's like, what states around here haven't you run yet? Um, and while living in, in Florida, I have run a marathon in Alabama, Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, obviously Florida as well. Um, which if you, if you know your geography, those are all states plus one that border, um, actually all states plus two, because North Carolina, I don't think technically borders Georgia, but all the states in the Southeast, basically that, that are in and around Georgia. Um, yeah, I've run all of those states before, but never Georgia. Now I live in Georgia, been here almost a year, kind of feel like that's, that's the easiest, that's the easiest state that's left on my list at this point. Um, so maybe Georgia, I don't know. Um, still, still rumors of a, of a trip to Vermont this, this fall, if we can line that up with, with fall break. So maybe, maybe Vermont, if we can line it up with a race as well. Um, but, but what's, what's, what's the next state like that, that, that presupposes that I make plans beyond like tomorrow and tomorrow is, uh, just a normal run through the neighborhood. So I don't know. I don't know what the next state is going to be. I've got whatever, 39, 40 states that are still need to, to get to at some point. So, uh, we've got a lot of options. Um, I suppose I probably need to get back on, on track with that, but you know, eventually, eventually maybe we'll get there, but it's definitely still a goal. Just clearly not one that I'm like champing at the bit to like finish anytime soon. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. You keep asking. I'll let you know if, and when something changes. And if, and if there's a, I really don't want to run freaking Atlanta. I mean, I could do Atlanta. Um, but that's a bigger, like, you know, nothing against the people that live in Atlanta, but I, that's, that's a town I, I want nothing to do with just cause it's, it's too, bu- too busy, too much going on there. Um, although I could stay at my brother-in-law's house. So that's always helpful, but, um, I really don't want to run Atlanta as my marathon for Georgia might be the most convenient, but if there's other, other races, let me know. We'll, we'll find one here eventually. Uh, but thanks for the questions, Jason, as always speaking of Atlanta, Martin chiming back in with another question. Is it worthwhile to do a number of my weekly long runs at the same starting time as my goal race? I normally try to get out the door by 6 a.m., probably earlier once summer really starts cooking. Uh, The marathon I'm scheduled for has a start time of 7 a.m. Since it's in October, probably won't be too much of a heat issue, but it's also likely won't be cold either. Is it worth a few long runs of later starts, or am I overthinking things again? Um, Interesting question, honestly, Martin. I, th- I think the, 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 my gut response is that you're overthinking things again. Like, like just get your long run in. If you know, it's not like you're you're talking about a six a.m. start versus an eleven a.m. start or a noon start for like your your race isn't starting middle of the day. So like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And like you said, October fall ish, so probably not that big of a deal in terms of like not starting right at the same time. Um, I think going back to your previous question, that starting at 7am is probably only going to take more out of you than continuing to start at 6am, uh, especially in the, in the depths of summer and, it, and maybe even starting a little bit earlier would be, would be good to try to beat the heat as much as possible. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that you're overthinking it. I, I would say that it's probably makes more sense to keep it early, at least through the, the worst part of the summer, um, because that's just going to set you up for, hopefully as good of a, a good a long runs as possible. Uh, but also so that hopefully you're not feeling quite as wrecked after the long run. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you're, you're not going to gain that much 
you're not going to gain anything really in terms of starting at seven versus six, other than maybe an extra hour. Maybe the extra hour of sleep makes a difference though. So maybe there's that, you know, so maybe it's something that you play with, try it out, see if one makes a difference in the other. But I don't think that by training at 6 a.m., you're not setting yourself up for trouble on race day at 7 a.m. Like you'll be, you'll be fine on that, on that piece of the puzzle. Uh, but maybe some of the logistics otherwise could help you not be quite as wrecked after your long run in terms of starting earlier to beat the heat, maybe starting a tick later to have, have a chance to eat breakfast, maybe get a little bit extra sleep. Maybe that makes a difference. So play with it, see what happens. Um, but yeah, like don't get into overthinking territory. Cause this isn't, this is one of those six and one half dozen of the other scenarios for sure. For sure. But thanks for the questions, my friend. Last but not least, almost forgot to add him to the mix. That's what happens when you slide into the DMs versus join the Facebook group. But my man, Gary Joe, he doesn't do Facebook. And in my expert opinion, that's not a bad, not a bad position to be in. Yet here we are on Facebook. He slides into the DMs on Twitter with some questions. So let's get to the, uh, the Gary Joe hat trick of questions to wrap things up today. Uh, first question from Gary Joe. How long of a marathon training block should I do if I'm wanting to do my first marathon in November? I run 25 to 40 miles per week. Um, Brother Collins, I would make the argument, and I would be very, very strong in the argument, that your training block has already begun. Um, and also that if you're running 25 to 40 miles a week right now, you're you're in a great spot. You're in a great spot. Now, maybe, you know, as the marathon gets closer and as the, the training miles start to ramp up, you know, what the 25 to 40 miles a week looks like is going to shift in terms of you get longer, long runs, things like that. Um, but I, I'm of the opinion, and maybe this is, you know, going back to Jason's question, like I don't have any marathon on the, on the calendar, but I feel like I'm training for my next marathon. I don't know when it is. Might be in 2023, might not be till 2025. I don't know. But like the training I'm doing right now is for that next race, whatever it is, marathon or otherwise. And so, so maybe that's, you know, again, maybe that's, it's kind of a, a slippery slope argument or something like that. But like, like the longer the training block, the better. Now it's not like a super focused training block. I'm not like progressing. I'm just in the base phase of my training block. Uh, and maybe that's where you are right now, which is, which is great. I mean, get through the summer and your with your base. And then, you know, once, once September hits, you start really like really focusing on ramping things up and shifting the mileage to the long runs a little bit more, whatever. Um, but if you're in that 25 to 40 mile a week range right now, that's, that's, that's a good place to be starting from whenever you want to quote unquote, officially start, you know, 16 weeks. Sure. That's kind of the standard, but like, there's nothing magical about 16 weeks. If you've got 18, if you've got 20, that helps. If you, if you don't need that constant focus of like, all right, today I have to tick this box and I have to tick this box. Maybe 10 weeks is enough, depending on where your base is. And if you're at, again, if you're at 40 miles a week, if that long run is in that 10, 12, 14, 16 mile range, um, which you can pretty easily do at 40 miles per week without over. I mean, it, it, the math still works out in that situation. Um, then might, you might only need, you know, eight or 10 weeks to, to build up for that marathon. So, you know, it, it, it depends. Sure. But, uh, the longer, the better, but it also doesn't, <laughs> that's what she said, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, couldn't resist. Um, but, but it also like, like, I just, I just don't operate under the, Today, I'm not training for my marathon, but tomorrow my marathon training starts. Like, no, what we're doing, we're training for our next race all the time, I think. Um, so, yeah, start start now. You, I would say you've already started. I would say you started 
January, whenever you were like, I think I'm going to run this marathon in November. That was when your marathon training block started, even if it didn't officially start. If that, if that skirts the, the line enough to, to sort of be on both sides of the fence, kind of make, kind of, you know, not answer the question, but also kind of answer the question that, you know, start now, even if it doesn't really feel like you're progressing and you're not like ticking off boxes on the calendar, but like the work you're doing now makes the quote unquote official block that much smoother, that much easier, gives you more options in terms of how you structure the training and how many workouts you do and what the long runs look like. Um, so the more time you have, the better, which is why I would say start now, start, make it official that you're, you're training for this, this, you know, like say I'm my marathon training block has started now, July 1st or whatever. Um, even if that's, however that math works out, July, August, September, October, even if that ends up being like four and a half, five months of training, like that's okay. Cause it gives you, it gives you more options as the fall progresses. So thanks for that question, Gary, Joe, hopefully that answer made sense in the, uh, that's what she said. Joke landed. Cause let's not kid ourselves. Those jokes always funny. Uh, next question also from Gary, Joe, I'm on the, uh, I'm listening to the QT, the quick tip about water and electrolytes. And you've mentioned salt tabs and salt shaker to add salt to the water. I've been on blood pressure meds for as long as I can remember. So salt may not be good. Any alternatives that you can think of? Um, as expert as, as I am, as much of an expert opinion as I have been known to offer, I also know when I'm out of my depth and, and don't want to, uh, speak, I don't want to say speak poorly. Cause I, I, I do that every, I do that twice a week, every week. Um, I don't want to, uh, speak outside of, of my lane, if you will. Um, all that to say, ask your doctor, my man, ask your doctor, um, the doctor might say, yeah, you know, a little bit of extra salt when it's hot and you're sweating like this and you're working out no factor, even with the medication for the, for the blood pressure, they might say, oh no, no, no. Like, you know, take this, this, cause there are, there are dozens of different electrolyte additives out there, right? Whether it's noon, whether it's element, whether it's, it's Gatorade, whatever it is, there's all kinds of options out there. Right. Um, and if you're like, Hey, you know, I, I feel like I'm sweating a lot. Like, what, what do you think? What's going to not contradict the blood pressure medication, right? What's not going to spike my blood pressure. Uh, maybe they would say, well, exercise and salt, no factor. And you can just do the salt tabs or the salt shaker. Maybe it is more of a, you know, take this supplement because this is more, more potassium and magnesium and less, less sodium. Like I, I don't want to try to point you in one direction and be wrong because that's, that's not my business here. Um, that's, that's, that's a question for the doctor or the nurse practitioner or somebody that you can be like, Hey, what, like, I feel like I'm losing more electrolytes while I'm running in the summertime, what's the best option to replace them with? And don't just rely on some schlub with a microphone and a computer. Um, because as much as I offer expert opinions and as much as I would maybe claim a certain level of expertise in some aspects, I, I did not care at all about my pharmacology class in college. I still do not care that much at all about pharmacology which, which you probably picked up with a lot of Lewis's questions about the elites and the doping. And I don't care. I don't care. Um, so all that to say, I am not the guy to talk to you about how certain medications impact this, that, and the other, like talk to your doctor for show, for show. Last but not least complete nonsense question. This, and this is not a nonsense question, Gary Joe. This is, this is like a head scratcher, a uh, complete nonsense question. If you had to give up running tomorrow for whatever reason, what would be your biggest regret slash I wish I would have done whatever? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like to think 
that I I wouldn't ha- if 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 my hand was forced and I couldn't run anymore. I mean, you know, I would have wished that I would have qualified for Boston, but it's not like it's not like I had like this opportunity to qualify and run Boston. I didn't take it. Like, I mean, I just, just not there yet, not there yet. So I don't know that I would would like regret that. You know, I'd wish that I had more than ten or eleven states knocked off of my fifty state challenge. Um, and like I I could have got I could you know I could have run Georgia at some point in the last ten months. I could have run Georgia at some point in the last eight years. Quite frankly, um, you know. So, but like, do I regret? If I couldn't run tomorrow and I and I stopped at, you know, eleven states down and thirty nine to go versus, you know, whatever, fourteen states down and thirty six would I regret I'm, I'm no. Like like so I don't know. I don't know that I would have too many regrets. Um I mean obviously I don't want that to be the situation. I don't I don't want to I, you know, I mean, talk earlier. I want to keep running for thirty, forty, fifty years from now, right? Um but I don't, I don't think there are too many regrets I have. And like, I wouldn't have regretted going into heart rate training. I wouldn't have regretted, um, you know, doing this, whatever this is like, like the, the podcast and the coach, like, and assuming I'd still be able to do those types of things. But if, if, if all of running got, went away, um, you know, I don't think there'd be too much I'd regret. I, I, there, there hasn't been too many real opportunities that I've just let pass by. Um, and I feel like those are the, like, it's one thing to to wish that I was faster and I qualified for this race or that race or the other, but like, like I don't regret that I'm not you know a, a natural three hour marathon. Like okay, like some people are, some people aren't. I'm not. There's nothing to regret about that. So I don't I don't think I'd have too many regrets. Quite quite frankly, um, maybe not running with my wife more when I could have. Like maybe that would be the one. Um, maybe not running more with with certain people. You know other other times that I've had opportunities to do a group run or not. And I'm just like, yeah, no. Um, but thankfully knock on wood, I, I have time to still write some of those wrongs or missteps or, um, whatever's along the way. And again, there's not many, thankfully, thankfully of all the aspects in life. I don't have too many regrets about running there are plenty of other areas where there's some regrets and some things I wish I would have, could have, should have done. Uh, but running feel like, feel like I've been pretty good. Um, of taking the opportunities and not worrying about things that I can't control. So not a nonsense question at all, my friend, a, a, a philosophical, a philosophical question to end a non-philosophical episode. So thank you for that, Gary Joe. Appreciate the questions as always. And, uh, that's that y'all. There we are an hour and 40 minutes or so. Eh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's good, solid Q and a to wrap up the first half. First half of 2023. Can you believe it? Halfway there, as Bon Jovi, as Bon Jovi would say, is my friend John Bon Jovi. He's not my friend. As John Bon Jovi would say, "Whoa, we're halfway there." That means we still got halfway to go. Halfway, six months left to make the most out of 2023 to put yourself in a great position heading into 2024 to be able to reflect on the year as success. Harkening back to Rick's question, um, but let's wrap this one up for today. Thoughts, comments, questions on any of the questions that, that, that were asked, or maybe more importantly on the nonsense answers I gave. Don't question the expert opinions because they're expert. But if you have if you have something to add to the conversation, please feel free to do so either in the Facebook post replying to somebody's question there, or of course let me know on socials at Disruns on Twitter, at Disruns on Instagram, Disruns at gmail.com if you want to send an email. And of course, if you head over to the blog post today, 
We got all the questions answered with some sort of tomfoolery, meme, gif, whatever. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1165 will get you there. We also got that link in the show notes or in the blog post or whatever you want to call it, in the, in the meme field uh, for, for AminoCo today. AminoCo is sponsored today's episode. AminoCo.com slash Dizruns is the link to get yourself all of the high-quality amino acid supplementation you could possibly want that also fits in there beautifully, no matter what your dietary preferences may or may not be. If you eat all the things, you're fine. If you got some certain preferences that you follow, guess what? Amino AminoCo more than likely ticks the box in terms of vegan, vegetarian, um, which I guess well, they're not the same thing. So vegan, if, if it's vegan, it's vegetarian. If it's vegetarian, it may not be vegan, but it, it's vegan, so it ticks both of those boxes. Keto, paleo, um, soy-free, grain-free, dairy-free, all, all, of the, all of the things free except for not amino acid-free because it's all, all the amino acids. Uh, but aminoco.com slash disruns. Disruns at checkout. Save yourself 30%. Thanks for supporting the, the sponsors. If you want to get your questions answered next month or any month, join the Facebook group. Disruns.com slash Facebook is the link that will get you there. Uh, and again, we're halfway through 2023. We're now nine years through the Disruns with podcasters. We started with Disruns Radio as it is now. Uh, so thanks for being along for the ride. And here's to starting off the next year technically tomorrow, but I guess Monday. We'll be back on Monday with another episode. Uh, but until then, y'all, thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to share the post, for replying, for joining the Facebook group. Um, appreciate y'all. Thanks for the support. Let's keep it rolling, all right? Until next time, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And I'll talk soon, right? Later.